Escape Pod 45 March 16th, 2006 Today's story, Are You Ready for the End of the World? by Danny Adams Hello, I'm Steve Ely, and welcome to Escape Pod. This is Geek Dad intro number three, for anyone keeping count. So, my son, Alex, is going to be a year old this week. This is a moderately big deal for us. Not for him, really, except that he'll get an entire cupcake and experience his first sugar rush. But it's one more landmark in what's been a very interesting year. Being a speculative fiction geek, I'm easily thrown into speculation. And this sort of event puts me into a sort of forward nostalgia about the times I expect to have in the future. I spend a lot of time these days thinking about the advice I'd like to give him, once he's in a position to get it. Doubtless, a lot of it's naive, since it's easy to say what your philosophies are in theory, but just the same, here's a few of the things I hope to tell him someday. Never be afraid to ask questions. You're not always going to get answers that satisfy you, but you'll usually learn more than you knew before, and your right to ask is absolute. When we tell you to do or not do something, you have a right to know the reasons. Parenthood is not arbitrary, and we're thinking about you when we make the rules. If you don't understand or agree with the reasons, however, you still have to do what we say. The best way to get what you want from people is to give them what they want. Smiling and being good to people isn't just something you're supposed to do. It's a way to get ahead in life. When he's a little older, it doesn't matter who you date. Black or white, male or female, you won't get uptight about things like that. What matters is that you're with someone you respect. A relationship where you don't admire the other person, at least a little, will never be happy for either of you. And most important, have fun. Follow the path in life that gives you joy. If you have to do something, find a way to enjoy it. Bitterness will only make you grow old faster. My parents never told me to have fun, and I really wish they had. Anyway, that's what I've got. If you've given advice to your kids that's special to you, or you've thought of great advice that you haven't had a chance to give, I'd like to hear about it. Email to editor at escapepod.org or call our voicemail at 206-666-EPOD. This isn't going to become a parenting show, but if a few of them really strike me, I'll make some time in a future episode. Today's story is about a young man who probably could have used some better advice when he was growing up. We present Are You Ready for the End of the World by Danny Adams. Mr. Adams lives deep in the Blue Ridge Mountains in southwest Virginia. By day, he's a college librarian. And he's had short fiction in Weird Tales, Strange Horizons, Revolution SF, and other prestigious markets. He's also co-authored a novel with the legendary Philip Jose Farmer called The City Beyond Play, forthcoming at the end of this year. This particular story appeared in 2004 in Andromeda Spaceway's In-Flight magazine. The story is read for us by the dynamic duo of Paul Jenkins and T. Morris. T's well-known as the co-author and podcaster of Maravi and the co-author of Podcasting for Dummies. His current podcast is The Survival Guide to Writing Fantasy. And Paul Jenkins is the smooth British voice behind the Rev Up Review, the premier podcast for finding out what's good in science fiction, especially audio SF. It was a lot of fun bringing these two together. So duck and cover and put a newspaper over your head. It's story time. Are you ready for the end of the world? By Danny Adams. Would you like to know how to escape the imminent destruction of the Earth? Sure, we all would, and this site can help. 
Our specially trained instructors can assist you in putting together your very own personal starship to get off this planet before its obliteration. Unbeknownst to your scientists at posting time, an extraordinarily large rogue asteroid, 74 kilometers long by Terran standards, that's about 40 miles to you Americans, has been captured by your sun's gravity and is now cheerfully rolling along direct collision course with Earth. It will strike your planet on October 17th somewhere in the vicinity of the University of California at Berkeley. Our apologies if this causes a widespread panic, but we just thought you should know. This is where we come in. Greetings, Terrans. We are from the planet Panadex, in the star cluster you colloquially call the Pleiades. We have been studying your planet for 156,347 Terran years, and are primarily responsible for the teasing glimpses of so-called UFOs which have driven your society insane since well prior to 1947. Being the normal inquisitive Terrans you are, you are almost certainly asking yourself by now, who are these aliens and why do they want to help us? Or, if you are a UFO conspiracy theorist, then, if your intentions are so good, why not just show yourselves and evacuate the planet? If what you say is even true, and you're not just telling us this to cause worldwide panic and confuse the populace long enough to invade Earth and turn us all into off-world sex slaves or human casseroles. All very good questions. The truth is, we are at heart, or what you would call a heart, selfish bastards. After putting 150 millennia into studying your fascinating culture, we don't want our investment to go up in a single cosmic boom. However, the hard-ass non-interference laws of the Galactic Amalgam forbid us to act directly. So instead, we're constrained to help by waiting for you to freely download this document via your World Wide Web. But, you may ask, if you're allowed to put all of this technology on a website, why haven't you done so before? Please note our selfish bastard comment. We would have been more than happy to sell you most of our interstellar knowledge in exchange for the majority of your precious metals, which you wouldn't have missed all that much anyway, except we are likewise forbidden to do so. We've been appealing the constable's decision for eons, but the red tape is intergalactically immense, and considering that lawyers are the fastest growing species in our population, it will probably drag through the courts for ages to come. But we can at least settle one thing. This asteroid is speeding toward your planet at 90,000 kilometers per hour. It will not burn up in your thinning atmosphere. It will strike on October 17th with the force of a 300 million megaton bomb. And if you think this website is a hoax, then you will learn otherwise in a flash of illumination. Now, having put all that out in the open, shall we begin? Nobody liked Jerry Jarvis. And he hated everybody else, though no one was sure which came first. By the age of three, he was a solidly developed, card-carrying, or name-tagged as the case may have been, misanthrope, causing grief for parents, neighbors, other toddlers, local pets, and small bugs who lost their legs whenever Jerry went hunting. Today, 16 years later, everyone instinctively shied away from Jerry as if sensing his deep desire to rip their legs off. He was happily failing his classes, only the football scholarship and being the school's best-ever pile-driving quarterback kept him in school at all. He had his own dorm room. His closest companion was his computer. On September 17th, a little over one year into his bumpy academic career, he happened across a rather plain-looking website called Are You Ready for the End of the World? 
the Terrans' complete instructions for the apocalypse. It wasn't easy to find. Jerry located it by entering the keywords apocalypse, death, destruction, dismemberment, and 26 other nouns and verbs concerning planetary devastation and human extinction into a search engine. The address, www.cosmicbang.com, appeared. Having nothing better to do that Saturday night, Jerry started reading. Pardon our bluntness, but if you believe your current technology can deflect a 74-kilometer nickel-iron-uranium asteroid even the barest fraction of a degree, thus heroically saving your planet as displayed in so many bad video presentations, then we have a causal time loop to Arcturus we'd like to sell you. Your only hope for survival is to get off the Earth entirely, which leaves you two questions. First, how? And second, where do I go? Your choices of destinations are endless. We can provide you with names and trajectories for each and every world suitable to supporting Terran life, along with an ANSI map of their solar systems. Sorry, ANSI was the best we could do on short notice. Your major concern will be building your transportation. No worries about risking life and limbs swiping a few rods of uranium-235 from your local nuclear plant either. You can build a perfectly space-worthy, Einstein-busting, space-time-warping craft from the comfort of your kitchen. Trust us, we've been doing this for a long time. Any questions? Jerry believed the doom-filled prognostications, though he wasn't sure why. It spoke to him in the annoying Aquarian lingo of some of its classmates. And for some reason, he did a very un-Jerry Jarvis-like thing. He tried warning people about the danger. They looked at him funny, not because of his predictions, but for talking to them in the first place, and trying to help them. It made no sense. Nobody listened. Fine, if that's the way it's going to be, Jerry muttered on the way back to his room. Let them all get vaporized. Now might be a good time to admit there is a flaw in our starship plan. Only one person can go. If you're reading this, no one has volunteered yet. The ship's gravofusic signature will open a wormhole to your final destination, but that wormhole can open only once. So only you will be able to escape. Everything and everyone else on Earth will be destroyed. If you're okay with this, click here and fill out our form. Great! Now that you've downloaded the dock, this site will permanently lock out other users. You're ready to go. Some of the necessary items Jerry already possessed, including the aluminum foil, three-hole punch, and telephone wire, the oil-based paints and tin cans he could get from the College PX, the galvanized sheet metal, slot machine memory chips, and automatic transmission from a Dodge pickup truck would be a bit more difficult. But Jerry had discovered that his parents, and numerous others, would wire him any amount of money he demanded in order to keep him from communicating with them. Within an hour... Jerry had the funds to construct his continuum writing masterpiece. Now, he just needed a place to build it. The choice was obvious. The football field. Everyone knew Jerry was the primary reason Old River Tech won every game. And furthermore, he let them know he would quit the team if they didn't give him a little grassy patch near the stadium to create his project. Humanity's great migration to the stars had commenced. Your current space technology confuses us. One bewildering aspect is the heat shielding on your space shuttles. Thousands of little custom-made interlocking plates with a tendency to scorch or fall off, 
and thus require frequent replacement at great expense and inconvenience. Throw out that interlocking mentality right now, mister. Your temporal shields will absorb the impact not only of solar radiation, but also any continuum-borne particles you may encounter on your flight. And Ultimate Force knows the continuum is littered with junk tossed aside by those who care nothing for the aesthetics of their interspace highways. The shields will incorporate the simple Velthidian proofs of deflective warping. To begin, you will need your blender, wet cell batteries, a spritzer, and acid-free paper. Remember not to hurt yourself when you solder. Many of the so-called wits of Old River Tech laughed when Jerry built his starship. They called it Jerry's Ark. Dumbass. Or worst of all, modern art. They would see. In that half-second of burning realization, they would know he was right all along. The destruction of humanity would indeed be a sweet day for Jerry Jarvis. You'll see, he shouted whenever anyone walked by. When the asteroid hits the Earth and you're dead, then you'll see. Just look at it, Jerry told the news crews on the afternoon he finished welding the last porthole into the Ford LTD-sized ship. The asteroid is there. <laughs> you haven't seen it yet, but it's coming. Oh, baby, it's coming. And when it comes, you'll be sorry you didn't listen to Jerry Jarvis. That very interview inspired his ship's name. The SS Living Well is the Best Revenge. A little cumbersome, but he liked the sentiment. Yet on the 14th day of his great venture, two weeks from H-Hour, the hull of his pride and joy completely built and specially equipped with a beanbag-turned-custom-designed Captain's Con, Jerry started having reservations. What if this was really a hoax after all? What if someone had thrown the site together for a laugh and was getting an even bigger laugh now at Jerry's expense? He'd show them then. It would work. He'd make it work. While travelling at superluminal speeds, you may notice that you have something of an ongoing problem with inertia. You may feel the whole galaxy is against you, as if everyone in the universe is trying to stop what you need to accomplish. In other words, if you're warping along minding your own business when somebody runs a red quark at a four-way cross-time intersection and you collide, you will be reduced in a nanosecond to a glop of tapioca pudding splattered across 500 light-years. What can you do to prevent this unfortunate demise? Terrans, like most carbon-based life forms, were simply not meant to travel naturally faster than light. Otherwise, the ultimate force would have given us gravofusic collectors and not the capellans. Thus, you will need something to dampen the multi-million G pressures that would otherwise transform you into microscopic kibbles. You can accomplish this with the same deflectional principles employed in your shields except this time they will be acting on your poor fragile body simultaneously with your ship. Dampening fields will divert the kinetic forces, as you understand them, whether your braking is planned and gradual, or suddenly to avoid a head-on collision with a drunk capellan. Don't let inertia get you down. Don't give up the ship just because of the infinitesimal possibility of being smudged across your home galaxy. You can fight back no matter what forces are set against you. I could show you how to make a ship like this, he told the community once in a local UHF channel interview, but not so long as you're laughing at me. So you would let all of humanity die? asked the newscaster, a petite smiling thing dressed in an almost too short miniskirt. Well, hey, it's not like I want the human race to be extinct or anything, Jerry fought back a laugh. I'm just tired of people. I mean, I'm tired of people laughing at me. We can't actually see this doc of yours on the website, Jerry. 
It locked after I downloaded it. The wormhole only opens once, you know. <laughs> well, we'll see. The reporter clamped down on the smile. For Channel 13 on your spot news. They'll see, he thought. The leggy reporter surveyed the accessories strewn about his spacecraft. And you're planning on warping yourself to another planet using Vaseline, copper antenna cables, and a rock tumbler. It's a space-time thing. You wouldn't understand. Maybe he'd just gaze at the world while the asteroid pulverized it, then chuckle before heading on to his new home, Panadex, home of the benefactors of his continued existence. He felt a pre-morning pang for the reporter's legs. Undoubtedly, the disbelievers will think you are insane. Comfort yourself in the knowledge that there will always be disbelievers when it comes to the end of a planet. Believing that your world will go on forever has become vogue. Don't let them distract you. All that remains before your voyage is to secure a calculator and connect it into the circuit of your spatial flux inducer, window fan and freezer. You can use this to program the exact coordinates for your new homeworld into the temporal field so the ship can take over navigation while you sit back, relax, have a coke and smile. Feel free to bring your computer. Hooking it into the spatial flux inducer will allow you not only to chart your ship's progress, but also amuse yourself by wasting hundreds of hours in meaningless conversations with other sentient beings on IRC, the Intergalactic Relay Chat. Good luck, Terran, and may the ultimate force go with you. The day of the launch. Jerry almost had an epiphany. He was snuggling into his captain's beanbag when he was slammed with guilt. He knew now beyond the shadow of a doubt, that the asteroid was real and on a collision course with Earth. He caught the news surfing the net. Astronomers all over the world had discovered the asteroid the night before, almost exactly 24 hours before impact. World governments scrambled for a solution, but guessed even nuclear warheads would only shatter the monster into equally lethal fragments. Jerry slumped back into his seat, crinkling the beans. The weight of all those impending graves thrust suddenly upon him. True, the doc said not to worry. How many would have believed him anyway? What right did he have to survive while six billion other people died? A moment later, he discarded the notion, then packed his clothes, trophies, and nachos. What did he owe anyone on Earth anyway? Nada. Squat. They never did anything for him, but made his life miserable. Rotten, stinking, miserable, selfish Terrans. They could use the comeuppance. See you later, suckers, Jerry yelled from his command cockpit. You shouldn't have treated me so bad. Oh, well. Cest la vie, Earth. Despite all his certainty that he can make the SS, living well as the best revenge, fly, he was still a little surprised when it did. It lifted straight up soundlessly, not including the whirring blender set on puree for atmospheric travel, and the swooshing fan blades that spun over the gravophysic warp. Before he could say Jack Daniels, he was gazing down at the rolling green hills surrounding Old River Tech. Then the curve of the Earth, and then up towards the stars. The blinking cursor on his PC monitor spelled out, Please input spatial coordinates now. Oh, <laughs> sorry, Jerry chuckled. On his little solar-powered calculator, Luckily, he remembered to bring a flashlight for its power source. He punched in 11111111111.001 for Panadex, 
then reset his blender for liquefy. Wormhole travel. Thank you. Daylight faded completely, and Jerry abruptly traced the shape of the asteroid ahead. It was strangely luminescent in the sunlight, and closing on Earth fast. It was beautiful, Jerry thought as the ship drew closer. I guess the Angel of Death doesn't really have to wear a black robe and carry a sickle. Only then did he notice that he was still getting closer to the asteroid. He muttered, uh-oh, as he pulled up the dock again from his hard drive. New coordinates, gotta get new coordinates. Hello, sucker. What? His eyes widened, reflecting the monitor's steady glow. You were obviously not sufficiently facile to discover this final message of doc dot doc until your programmed coordinates triggered it. How did you know what coordinates I programmed? Jerry shouted. Actually, any coordinates we gave you would have put you on a collision course with the asteroid, only at different speeds or angles. Just a little joke on you, then. Laugh out loud. Jerry's head slumped into his arms. As we explained at the beginning, we are selfish bastards. Did you honestly think we would waste 156,347 Terran years of research? Don't be silly. Any advanced species would have seen that from a million miles away. We knew that you were a paranoid and self-serving race, and at least one of you would succumb to our bait even if your survival doomed the rest of humanity. Whoever you are, you who are about to die, we salute you. D-d-d-die? Jerry blubbered. Of course, a few of the old guard, in the Galactic Amalgam, will be pissed that we took matters into our own appendages instead of letting the universe's nature take its course. But hey, it's easier to get forgiveness than permission. Stop it! Let me go! Jerry pounded on the monitor first, then jabbed random numbers into his calculator. He vaulted back to the beanbag to retake manual control, but no blender setting altered his upcoming rendezvous. You will be remembered on Panadex as a great hero. Would you like to record any last messages? The asteroid brilliantly filled Jerry's bow viewport. Quit laughing at me, he muttered. Three seconds before impact, he happened to glance out his starboard porthole and saw a little silver disc blinking its lights at him, then dipping in a salute. Jerry waved back sadly. The delayed flash of illumination that he had been tricked came at the same instant as the flash which incinerated both Jerry Jarvis's masterpiece and Jerry himself. Now, as any seasoned space traveler knows, you cannot destroy a 74-kilometer asteroid with a starship the size of a Terran Ford LTD. There just isn't enough oomph in the resulting detonation. However, as predicted by 9 out of 10 Panadexian temporal physicists, the abrupt disturbance in the space-time continuum caused by the gravifusic ripple of Jerry's atomization tore a hole in the continuum, 78 kilometers wide and nearly as tall, more than enough to neatly suck the asteroid into the fourth dimension and gulp it down whole. The Panadexians observed this with immense satisfaction. Earth was saved. Their fruitful research could continue. And maybe, someday, a few millennia down the road, the GA would rescind its hard-ass non-interference rule before the Terrans could develop interstellar travel on their own, and the Panadexians could make off with the even more fruitful profit of the Earth's precious metals. On Earth, astronomers watched their plunging asteroid of death suddenly disappear. The only clue to its whereabouts was a mysterious spiking burp on their cosmic counters the instant it vanished. See, I told you it would miss us, one of the Star Watchers chided his colleagues, 
Any idiot could have seen that from a million miles away. And that was our story. If only his parents had taught him to be nice to people. Oh, you know what else isn't nice? They tap into your bloodstream like tiny little vampires. They hack into your nervous system as if you were a walking computer network built just for them. They hijack your body, flooding your brain with overdoses of neurotransmitters that cause fear, paranoia, and psychotic rage. It's a disease that thinks. It's a disease that talks. If you're lucky, you die before it becomes a disease that walks. You didn't Infection is the horrifying new podcast novel from me, Scott Sigler, author of Ancestor and EarthCore. Infection drops March 11th, so sign up now at scottsigler.podshow.com or subscribe to the feed directly at feeds.feedburner.com slash scottsigler. I was lucky enough to get an advanced reading copy of Infection from Scott Sigler. So I'm one of the few people on Earth right now who know how it ends. I can't tell you that, but I can tell you it was gross and disturbing and amazingly fun. I personally enjoyed it more than his other podcast novels, Earthcore and Ancestor. If you're into SF horror, don't miss this one. As I told Scott, this is Stephen King turned up to 11. Today's featured listener is Nate from Astoria, New York. He made a very generous donation to us a few months back and said in his comment, quote, being an audio tech, I'm forever grateful to the quality of your podcast. A compliment on Escape Pod's sound from someone who knows what he's talking about makes me forever grateful to him. I'm still not totally satisfied with the sound myself. It's possible I never will be. But I hope we're getting a little better every time. So thanks, Nate, and I'm glad we make your commute a little better. Escape Pod is released on, come on, say it with me, a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives License. This means that you're free to release microscopic spores of escape pod into the atmosphere, as long as it doesn't mutate into something else, and as long as it's not to extort money from major world governments. Besides, the antidote, and all other rights, are reserved by our authors. Our music is by permission of Daikaiju, giant monstrous sound waves being released into the atmosphere all the time. You can't stop them, so you might as well listen. That was our show for this week. We leave you with a quote from Roger Zelazny. Don't wake me for the end of the world unless it has really good special effects. Barring that, we'll see you next week. Have fun. <laughs> <laughs>